He don't owe us a thing. There ain't nothing we could do to get him to come by. He just does what he does because he's God and he loves us and he cares about us. He wants to help us. Folks in this building already been carrying a burden for sinners. Yeah. Folks in this building been looking for God, looking for hope, looking for help. You may find what you're looking for this morning. You just stay real tight. Ruth chapter number 1, if you found your place this morning, I want you to stand in honor of the reading of the Word of God. And it came to pass in the days when the judges ruled that there was a famine in the land. And a certain man of Bethlehem, Judah, went to sojourn in the country of Moab, he and his wife and his two sons. And the name of the man was Elimelech, and the name of his wife, Naomi. The name of his two sons, Mahlon and Kileon, Ephrathites of Bethlehem, Judah. And they came into the country of Moab and continued there. And Elimelech, Naomi's husband, died, and she was left, and her two sons. And they took them wives of the women of Moab, and the name of the one was Orpah, and the name of the other Ruth. And they dwelled there about ten years. Mahlon and Kileon also died, also both of them. And the woman was left of her two sons and her husband. And she arose with her daughters-in-law that she might return from the country of Moab. For she heard in the country of Moab how that the Lord had visited his people and given them bread. Wherefore she went forth out of the place where she was with her two daughters-in-law with her. And they went on the way to return into the land of Judah. And Naomi said unto her two daughters-in-law, Go, return each to her mother's house. The Lord deal kindly with you as you have dealt with the dead and with me. And the Lord grant you that ye may find rest, each of you, in the house of her husband. Then she kissed them, and they lifted up their voice and wept. And they said unto her, Surely we will return with thee unto thy people. And Naomi said, Turn again, my daughters. Why will you go with me? Are there yet any more sons in my womb that they may be your husbands? Turn again, my daughters. Go your way, for I am too old to have a husband. And if I should say, I have hope, or if I should have a husband also tonight, and should also bear sons, would you tarry for them till they were grown? Would you stay for them from having husbands? Nay, my daughters, for it grieveth me much for your sakes that the hand of the Lord has gone out against me. They lifted up their voice and wept, and Orpha kissed her mother-in-law. But Ruth clave unto her. And she said, Behold, thy sister-in-law has gone back unto her people, unto her gods. Return thou after thy sister-in-law. And Ruth said, Entreat me not to leave thee. Or to return from following after thee. That whether thou goest, I will go. Whether thou lodgest, I will lodge. Thy people shall be my people, and thy God my God. Where thou diest, will I die. And there will I be buried. The Lord do so to me, and more also, if aught but death part thee and me. And she saw that she was steadfastly minded to go with her. And she left speaking unto her, and so they two went. 
until they came to Bethlehem and it came to pass when they were come to Bethlehem and all the city was moved about them and they said is this Naomi and she said to them call me not Naomi call me Mara for the Almighty hath dealt bitterly with me I went out full and the Lord hath brought me home again empty why dost thou call me Naomi saying the Lord hath testified against me the Almighty hath afflicted me, and so Naomi returned. And Ruth the Moabitess, her daughter-in-law with her, which returned out of the country of Moab. And they came to Bethlehem in the beginning of barley harvest. <laughs> if you'll stay with me a little bit, God will help me. I will preach to you today on what got Ruth out of Moab. When you look at this scripture, you see a sad story of a family of Jews from Bethlehem, Judah, that got out of the will of God. A little family that's needing help, a little family that's needing hope, and they got somewhere where they couldn't get no help and they couldn't get no hope. But they were still Jews, they were still God's little youngins, they were still God's people. And I tell you, when you see this take place, you see that there's not anybody that's ever saved by the grace of God that ever finds themselves in Moab. But what when they come out, you'll have lost something that you'll never get back. And you see Naomi as she's lost her husband. She's She's lost her two boys down in this place of Moab. And you look at this situation and you see gloom and doom. But right in the middle of a big old mess, a great big old God reached right down in love and grace and mercy and took a mess and made something wonderful out of it. In the providence of God, the first thing I see, a hundred miles from the promised land across the Dead Sea on the wrong side of the Jordan River God's sovereign plan allowed an idol worshiping heathen from Moab to come in contact with a genuine card carrying child of the covenant a daughter of Abraham has come into her path and come into her presence a Jew from Bethlehem Judah that would change the course of her entire life and her entire future her entire eternity and her destiny was changed by some little old Jewish woman that come by her way one day some of you sit in this building this morning and you have no idea why you're in Flint Hill Baptist Church some of you have questioned it, you've argued against it, you've wrestled with it. Some of you don't like it a bit. But before God ever formed worlds, before God ever spoke this mud ball into existence through the eons of time, the sovereign hand of God set apart this day and this service for somebody to be in a place where you could get some help. I believe that. Let me ask you a question this morning and I'll get into my message. Why was Ruth so willing to turn her back on everything she ever knew? I'll tell you the first reason Ruth was ready to cut a trail and get out of Moab. She was sick of Moab. She was sick of where she was at. The word Moab, by definition, means a wash spot. It was a dirty and a despicable pagan land. It was a place where they sacrificed human sacrifices to the pagan god Chemos. And the very origin of the name of the Moabites came from an incestuous relationship between Lot and his eldest daughter. 
You talk about a sickening place. You talk about a despicable place to live. But I'm going to tell you what, this morning there's some folks that's walked in those doors this morning. You've been living in Moab. You've been living in a despicable place. Moab didn't have any love. Moab didn't have any joy. Moab didn't have any peace. There wasn't anything worth living for in Moab. And one day Ruth got to the place she was sick of living in Moab. There's some of you going to die and go to hell this morning because you ain't never got sick of Moab. You ain't never got sick of your sin. You ain't never got sick of not having any peace, not having any joy. But thank God for a few of you. A little handful that got tired one day, throw down, got you a good old dose of Missouri mule stubbornness and said, I ain't a living like this no more. I ain't a going through this no more. I need some help. Ruth got tired of living in Moab. Thank God she's going to make a change. This morning you may sit here. You may hold on to something. It may be your pride. It may be your position. It may be some little pet sin that you hold on to that you ain't willing to give up and get rid of. But Ruth got to the place. She's giving everything up. She didn't care about nothing. Hey, that was genuine Bible repentance right there. She turned her back on everything. But before she did, see, a few years earlier, she had married my Leon. You know what that's a type of? She tried to join the church. That's the Jewish family. She'd try to get hooked up with the Jews and try to get some help. And, you know, this morning, if you want your life to change, there's some outward things you can change. Cosmetically, you can change. You can get you a divorce. And I'll tell you what, some of you 40 and 50-year-old men, you get you a little red convertible car and get you some little old 20-year-old girl to hang on your arm. You can make a whole lot of cosmetic changes on the outside, but you ain't never going to get no help until you get to the Lord Jesus Christ at the foot of the cross. And there's folks all over this world today making cosmetic changes, trying to get some help, trying to do something. There's folks trying to straighten up and do better. There's folks say, I need to go to church. Boy, I need to go to Sunday school. I need to read my Bible. I need to pray and I need to do this and I need to do that. No, what you need to do is get born again of the Spirit of God. You can't do that by yourself. You just got to get close to where God's at. This morning, it's not enough just to want a new life. You see, when I got saved, I was sick of my old life. But when I got sick of my old life, there's something inside of me. The Word of God said, And that from a child thou hast known the Holy Scriptures, which are able to make thee wise unto salvation through faith, which is in Christ Jesus. And when I was laying in my wallowing in my sin in my Moab, I was tired of my life. I was sick of the life I lived. And I got to wanting some help and wanting out. But more, more than I wanted out of the position I was in, I wanted Jesus. I got to wanting him. I knew that was the answer. The answer wasn't straightening up and doing right and doing better and fixing this and fixing that. The answer was getting Jesus, and I didn't have him. And I'm telling you this morning, the Holy Spirit of God has got to reveal to a man or a woman in their desperation that the only hope you've got is to get to Jesus. You look in chapter number 1, and there's several things in these chapters. Chapter number 1, you see Ruth deciding. Chapter 2, you see her abiding. Chapter 3, you see her confiding. And chapter 4, you see Boaz providing. But you see here, she's making a decision, a conscious, cognizant decision that she wants something different than what she's had. Now, what made her get to this place? Now, she's sick of where she's at. 
But what made her get to the place where she wanted to go to Bethlehem, Judah? What made her think that was the answer? Naomi may not have been the most spiritual woman in the land. Naomi might not have been the best educated. She might not have been the most articulate. But Naomi was real. And what she had was real. She was a genuine daughter of Abraham, a child of the covenant from Bethlehem, Judah. And Ruth knew that Naomi knew something she didn't know. And you might not be the smartest Christian this morning. You may not be the best and the most spiritual and full of God. But if you've been saved by the grace of God, people around you ought to realize there's something different about you. Judah, Bethlehem, Judah. You know what that means by definition? It means the house of bread. And I believe that old Naomi got to telling her story while it's down there in Moab. And she'd gathered them girls up, Orpah and Ruth, and sat at her feet. And Naomi would say, girls, I know I got messed up during the famine and wound up down here. But she said, I want you to know. You girls listen to me. I know bread down here in Moab's been all right at God's wash pot. But she said, I come from Bethlehem, Judah. Bethlehem, Judah means the house of bread. And girls, I know you've been eating all right, but you ain't never eat. You ain't never tasted of nothing till you've tasted of bread that comes from the house of bread. And she got to telling that story. And Ruth would look at her mommy telling that story. And she knew it was real. And she saw the gleam in Naomi's eyes when she got to talking about it. And Ruth got to wondering, praise God, do you recognize more to this thing and what? What I got. There's some of y'all sitting here this morning and God's beginning to stir in you and you're beginning to wonder, is there more to this thing than what I got? You know what God's done? God has put a real, honest, genuine, born again child of God in your path to be a light and be salt and be a witness. And you know what salt will do? Salt will make you thirsty. It'll cause you to get to wanting something. And she got that salt in her, and she got a thirst, and she got a hunger. And Ruth got to go to bed at night and laying down, listening to them stories Naomi told and wondering. Reckon what does it look like in Bethlehem, Judah? Reckon what does it smell like over in Bethlehem? Reckon what would one of them big old cat head biscuits taste like that come from over there? There's some of you laid down a night or two and you wish you knew God. Like some of these precious little old youngins got born into family in the last six or eight months. You get to wondering about what they got and you get to thinking about that. Yeah. Boy, I want me some of that. Uh-huh. I, want, I, wish, I just wish I had what they got. And I'll tell you what, when I was lost and unregenerate without God, there's no boy work with me and I get hemmed up in the same vehicle with him. This old boy, he wasn't the smartest Christian there was. I mean, he didn't know everything there was to know, but this boy was different. Them boys would get to telling dirty jokes and he'd walk off. They'd get to looking at old dirty magazines and he'd walk off. They'd get to going in some beer joint to eat lunch and he'd pack his dinner and he'd sit in the back of that carry-all and he carried a little old leather case with him first few times. I didn't know what it was. I figured out later that boy was carrying the Word of God to work with him. He'd sit in that carry-all, read that Bible. I got mad as the devil at him. I thought, boy, you think you're somebody? You think you're something? No, I was jealous because he had something I didn't have. I could stand up and tell him I was saved, but I didn't have what that boy had. He had something different. 
Listen, don't get discouraged on your job. God's put some of y'all on a mission field, on your job to show people there is a better way. There is something more to this thing than what they've got. God's put people in some of y'all's lives in the last little while to show you there is more to this thing than vain religion and church membership. Hey, listen, I was a member of the church 13 years, didn't fix a problem I had. Naomi looked at her daughters and she said, stay. She said, you girls stay right here. I'm going back to Bethlehem, Judah. Y'all just stay. You reckon why she did that? Does she want them to go to hell? No. God don't play games. But sometimes God tests you. See whether you really want it or not. <laughs> Precious little old Miss Melissa come down to the house Sunday night. Sissy, she said, I'm lost. I've been a preacher's daughter and I've been in church all my life, but I ain't got what some of y'all's got. And she got down on that couch and she prayed and it seemed like eternity. And I was going to wait and just see and I got quiet and I listened. That precious little old girl said, Preacher, keep praying. Don't stop praying. Boy, we went back to praying again. Seemed like another eternity. And finally, there came a place I heard her little old voice. And I don't know if she remembers what she said or not. But she said, Hallelujah. But I tell you what, sometimes God will come by and stir you. You may make a little trip to the altar. You may say a prayer. You may do something to try to get some relief. God may pull back. God may just test you to see how bad do you really want it. I mean, are you going to be denied and give up quick? You must not have wanted it too bad to start with. She saw, she found out right quick. Orpah went back to the house. You look in the scripture, the word of God said both of them was following her to start with. They had a whole lot of folks. They see the fish and the husk puppies and Jesus doing miracles want to follow him to start with. But there wasn't many of them stuck with him. There's a whole lot of folks seeing here God's moving at Flint Hill. They want to come get in on the fireworks, but all of them ain't going to want to labor and pray and seek God and carry the burden. And you see old Orpah's gone to the house, but Ruth said, huh, I ain't a going nowhere. She said, I'm tired of what's back there. Sink, swim, or drown. I'm going with you. Naomi said, girl, stay here. She said, I ain't got no more sons. There ain't nothing I can do for you. Ruth said, "Uh -uh, I'm going where you're going. And you see two or three things about this here. Number one, I believe in the humility of her heart. Naomi knew. And Naomi understood. Ruth, you can't get saved for me. This morning, you can't get saved for your family. You can't get saved for the church. You can't get saved to please Preacher Mike. Salvation's a holy work between you and God. And Naomi realized that Ruth was going to have to get introduced to the God of glory. And it wasn't nothing Naomi could do nothing about. Hey, Naomi could lead her so far. I can try to take you so far. But all I can do this morning is introduce you to Jesus. He's the one fixed my problem. I met him on old raggedy couch at three o'clock in the morning didn't have nobody to sing just as i am or pass me not old gentle savior it was just me and the savior on that old dirty couch naomi realized she said i can't fix your problem ruth is still wanting to go with her and in her humility naomi knew naomi wasn't the source of help i got enough sense to know today that i ain't the source of help I mean, I like to pray with folks that's under conviction, but I ain't the help. 
I like to preach to folks that need to hear a gospel message and some good news, but I ain't the help. I like folks to pack in here, and y'all packed in here this morning like sardines. And I like that, but thank God Flint Hill Baptist Church ain't the help. Apart from the Holy Ghost of God moving on a man or a woman's soul, working real old-time repentance in them, where they're willing to turn their back on everything and give up everything apart from God doing that to you, you ain't going to get no help. But Jesus said, I am the way the truth, and the life. She didn't just need a new life in Bethlehem, Judah. She needed a new life in Jesus Christ. You look in this story, you see some things that take place. I'm not going to preach all this this morning. It's beautiful. You get over into chapter number two, and you see after she's got, I'll just tell you the story. Will that be all right? You get into chapter two, you see she goes at the beginning of barley harvest. I believe we've been in harvest around here lately. And she got there when there's a harvest fixing to take place. And she is poor and God had made a provision for the poor. He said, don't clip the corners of the fields. He said, you leave a little so poor folks can come around and get a hold of it. Hey, I ain't Charles Finney. I'm not some Dwight Moody or some great man of God like David Brainerd or some George Whitfield. But I thank God I can get in on the gleanings. And they left a little bit in the field and what was left, God made a provision so the poor folks could get in the field behind the reapers and pick up that little bit that they could get a hold of. Now you see Ruth and she winds up in a field owned by a man named Boaz. What she didn't know, but in the providence of God, Boaz was a kinsman redeemer. He was close kin. He was probably Elimelech's brother, her daddy-in-law's brother. That put him in the same family. And the land was really important to the Jews because it was given to families by lot. And you see little old Ruth one day and she's out there gleaning in that field. And the word of God said in verse number four in chapter two, behold, Boaz came from Bethlehem and said unto the reapers, the Lord be with you. They answered him, the Lord bless thee. Then said Boaz unto the servant that was set over the reapers, whose damsel is this? There ain't no telling how many little old girls was out there running around and putting that barley in their apron that day. But that day he saw one named Ruth that caught his eye. He said, glory to God, look at that little old girl out there in my field. Who does she belong to? Uh-huh. Boy, I thank God one day God got his eye on me. I don't know what he saw in me. I wouldn't like his servants. I wouldn't like his maidens. And she got, he got to talking to her. He went up to her. He said, girl, look what happened over here in verse number seven. She said, I pray you let me glean and gather after the reapers among the sheep. So she came and hath continued from the morning till now. And she tired a little in the house. He said, she'd been out there working all but a little time. She's been over at the house. Some of y'all have come to the house this morning. The house is where the servants stay. The house is where the family stays. The house is where you go to to get fed. And some of y'all have spent a little time in the house. And then said Boaz unto Ruth, Hearest thou not, my daughter? Go not to glean in another field. 
neither go from hence, but abide here fast by my maidens. Chapter number one, she was a deciding. And chapter number two, now she's abiding. I'm going to tell you what, if you get to wanting what somebody else has got, don't run. Don't run. When God, the Holy Ghost, deals with you, don't run out the door. I mean, just snuggle up and get as close as you can. He said, get this close as you can get and stay right here and you'll get a blessing. Verse 9, let thine eyes be upon the field that they do reap. Go thou after them. Have I not charged the young men that they shall not touch thee? And when thou art of thirst, go into the vessels and drink of that which the young men have drawn. If y'all ain't done figured it out, these young men are preachers. He said, I've charged them not to hurt you. This morning I may preach hellfire and brimstone, stomp and snort and spit and run wild, but I ain't here to hurt you. The Word of God said that Boaz said they're going to draw water up out of the well. That well's a type and a picture of the Word of God. And he said, you get around the well. And he said, whatever they draw up, you go ahead and get you some just like everybody else. God's let some sinners come in this morning. God's let little old snot-nosed preacher drop the bucket in the well and pull up something out of the Word of God. You're just as welcome to drink as anybody is. Praise God, whoever's the thirst, let him come and drink. He said, I sent a preacher to help you. Praise God for preaching. Hallelujah. Praise God. Then she fell on her face. Boy, that humbled her. She ain't saved yet. She bowed herself to the ground and said unto him, Why have I found grace in thine eyes that thou shouldst take knowledge of me, seeing I'm a stranger? She knew she was different. She didn't have to be told she was a sinner. She knew she wasn't right with God. Verse number 11, Boaz answered and said in her, It hath fully been showed me. Boaz already knew everything about her. He already knew. Do you know what? This morning, God already knows you. He knows what's in your heart. He knows what's in your mind. He knows where you've been. And I see people that say, Brother Mike, I've been so wicked, I don't think God will save me. Well, if he's bothering you, he ain't playing games with you. He'll save you. Ain't never been one too wicked for him to say, I don't care where you've been. I don't care what you've done. People say, Brother Mike, I I need to straighten up. I need to get some things fixed in my life before I get saved. No, if you could fix everything, you wouldn't need a Savior. What you need to do is get saved, then let God fix everything in your life. And you see her here. The Word of God said, verse 12, The Lord recompense thy work, and a full reward be given thee. Of the Lord God of Israel, under whose wings... Thou art come to trust. One of the simplest parts of salvation and one of the hardest parts, but it's simple, is to get to that place where you just trust Jesus. I mean, where you let go of everything and you just trust Him. You say, how do I trust Jesus? I can't tell you how to do it. God has to work that in you. Where you give up on everything, you've tried everything you know to try. You've cried every tear you can cry. You've prayed every prayer you can pray. And you get plumbed to the end of the road. And God works that faith in your heart and lets you believe Him. And she said, Let me find favor in thy sight, my Lord. Verse 13. For thou hast comforted me. For thou hast spoken friendly unto thine handmaid. Though I be not like unto one of thine handmaids. She got to this place, she was honest. She said, I ain't got what they got. I'm not like they are. 
But she said, thank you for being kind to me. Thank you for being tender to me. You listen to me, God's children. You be tender with sinners. You be kind to sinners and you love them. They can't help who they are. They can't help what they are. They do what they do because they're sinners. But you love them and you let them get a taste. You let them get a thirst and a hunger for what you've got in your life. And the Word of God said in verse 16, he got to talking to the reapers and said, don't rebuke her. Verse 16, let fall also some handfuls of purpose for her and leave them that she may glean them and rebuke her not. In that verse, you see the goodness of God. He said, I'm going to give you some things. You don't deserve it, but I'm going to give it to you anyway. Well, she goes to the house, and Naomi gets excited. Verse chapter number 3, she gets to the place of confiding. Naomi, her mother-in-law, said in her, My daughter, shall I not seek rest for thee, that it may be well with thee? Naomi got to interceding for and praying for. Well, I thank God for the men down in the Sunday school room this morning during Sunday school got on under a burden got to weep and pray in them old time prayers and a wailing and a trusting God for folks to get saved and now is not Boaz our kindred with whose maidens thou wast behold he went with barley tonight in the threshing floor wash thyself and anoint thee and put thy raiment upon thee and get thee down to the floor make not thyself known unto the man until Thou shalt have done eat, he had done eating and drinking. And it shall be when he lieth down that thou shalt mark the place where he shall lie. Thou shalt go in and uncover his feet and lay thee down. And he will tell thee what thou shalt do. And she went down into the floor and did according to all that her mother-in-law bade her. And when Boaz had eaten and drunk and his heart was merry, and he went to lie down at the end of the heap of corn, she came softly uncovered his feet and laid her down. And it came to pass at midnight, the man was afraid and turned himself. Behold, a woman lay at his feet. And he said, Who art thou? And look what she said. And she said, I'm Ruth, thine handmaiden. Spread therefore thy skirt over thine handmaiden, for thou art a near kinsman. In humility she got at his feet, and he woke up and he realized she was there and she said, it's me. It's Ruth. She said, would you please take the skirt of your garment and cover me? You're a near kinsman and I'm your handmaid. I come out of Moab. I ain't got nothing to give you. There ain't nothing I can offer you. But God made a provision in his word. God said there was a near kinsman and you could redeem me if you would. And I just want to lay down at your feet and say, would you please cover me with your skirt? Lord, thank God for the night God let me get at the feet of Jesus and say, I ain't got nothing I can give you. Would you cover me? God, you said in your word you made a provision for me. And you see, it tickled him. Verse 10, he said, Blessed be thou, the Lord, my daughter, for thou hast showed more kindness in the latter end than the beginning, insomuch as thou followest not young men, whether poor or rich. Now, my daughter, fear not, for I will do to thee all that thou requirest. For all the city of my people doth know that thou art a virtuous woman. Verse 13, he said, Tarry this night. 
she laid down until morning. Let me stop and bring in the doctrinal perspective here. Chapter number one, she's deciding. Chapter number two, she's abiding. She's staying close where the blessing is. Chapter number three, where we're at now, she's confiding. She's telling him her heart. But doctrinally speaking, in the Old Testament, they were back behind the cross looking forward to the cross. Christ ain't come yet. The high priest ain't done his job and the Redeemer's not yet come. But today we stand on the other side of the cross looking back to what God did, what Jesus did on the cross of Calvary. But they were looking forward to it. And so after she's come to him, you see in chapter number 4, you see Boaz providing. The Word of God teaches us that there was a nearer kinsman than him. Someone who had a right to buy the land from Naomi and from Ruth. Someone who had a right for the family's sake according to the Word of God. That's where I stood one day. The law of sin and death was a nearer kinsman to me than what Jesus was. I was sold under sin and under bondage to sin, and I was damned to go to hell because I had not trusted Christ as my Savior. And you see Boaz in verse number 1 in chapter 4, then went Boaz up to the gate. You keep hold of that. He sat down there, and behold, a kinsman whom Boaz spake came by, to whom he said, Ho, such an one, turn aside and sit down here. And he turned aside and sat down. And he took ten men of the elders of the city and said, Sit ye down here. And they sat down. And he said unto the kinsman Naomi, that has come again out of the country of Moab, selleth the parcel of land, which was our brother Elimelech's. And I thought to advertise thee, saying, Buy it before the inhabitants and before the elders of my people. If thou wilt redeem it, redeem it. But if thou wilt not redeem it, then tell me that I may know. For there is none to redeem it besides thee, and I am after thee. And he said, I will redeem it. The near kinsman said, I'll take care of it. The near kinsman was a type of the law and a type of the flesh. And he explains to him here, he said, okay, if you're going to redeem it, redeem it. But then said, Boaz, what day thou buyest the field in the hand of Naomi, they must buy it also of Ruth, the Moabitess, the wife of the dead, to raise up the name of the dead upon his inheritance. And the kinsman said, I cannot redeem it for myself, lest I mar mine own inheritance. Redeem thou my right to thyself, for I cannot redeem it. What he was saying was, he said, I can't fix this. If I marry her and raise up a child of her, I'm going to mar the inheritance that I was going to give to my eldest son. I ain't messing with her. I ain't fooling with her. That's what the flesh did. The law couldn't help my situation. And the flesh couldn't help my situation. But Boaz was standing there and he knew the whole time. He realized the whole time this fellow wasn't willing to do it. But Boaz said, okay, I'm willing Now this was the manner in former times in Israel concerning redeeming and concerning changing for to confirm a thing. A man plucked off his shoe and gave it to his neighbor. This was a testimony in Israel. Therefore the kinsman said unto Boaz, buy it for thee. So he drew off his shoe. Boaz said unto the elders and unto the people, your witnesses this day, thou have bought all that was Elimelech's and all that was Kyleon's and Mahalion's. Of the hand of Naomi, 
Moreover, Ruth the Moabitess, the wife of Mahlon, have I purchased to be my wife. This morning I read to you in verse number 1, chapter 4, the Word of God said that Boaz went up to the gate. Boaz, according to the word, Boaz did not go inside the gate. Boaz did not go through the gate. Boaz went up to the gate. And outside the gate, outside the walls of the city of Jerusalem, Boaz made a bargain and paid the price for the life of Ruth and bought her to himself. This morning, 2,000 years ago, just outside the city wall in the northwest corner of the city, just outside the gate, there's a hill called Galgotha, the place of the skull, where the darling Son of God walked up that Calvary road, carried His cross, bled and died. Why? Because He wanted to buy Himself a bride. He wanted to pay for Ruth. This morning, Ruth's a type and a picture of a lost soul that's about to be bought and brought into the church, into the family of God. It's a beautiful story. I don't have the vocabulary to articulate all this this morning. There's one thing I know, but before Ruth ever got bought, before she ever got paid for outside the city gate, Ruth got tired of being in Moab. Ruth got sick of being where she was. When Ruth got sick of where she was at, part of what changed her whole life was she saw something in Naomi she ain't never seen in nobody else. There's folks sitting in here this morning, and God has put some real people in your life. I mean, I'm not talking about some plastic blow-up Christian wannabes, but I'm talking about some people that was old dope heads, some people that was drunks, some people that was whoremongers, some people that was full of the devil, demon-possessed, wasn't fit to live. God, by His grace, reached down and changed their whole life and changed their whole world and made them different. And there's folks that sit in this building this morning and in the depths of your heart, you're, you're, you're just a gnawing and a desiring what they got. It is available. You can have it this morning. She found relief when she got at the feet of Boaz. And she said, cover me. I'm just Ruth. I can't do nothing for you and I can't do nothing for myself. But would you cover me? This morning, God may be dealing with someone right now. God may have dealt with you before. He may be dealing with you all week. God may have been dealing with you for six months. He's stirred you up. He's troubled your water this morning, not because He wants to humiliate you or make fun of you, but because He loves you. He wants to redeem you and buy you back. I want you to bow your heads this morning.